0: All right, we're back. Um, thanks for listening to This Is True. We have just an absolutely packed episode today. Didn't have any technical difficulties last week. I mean, so thankful for that. Um, let's let's hope that it continues this week and going forward. But we'll see how it goes. Um, and Masters tournament this past weekend. That was I had so much fun watching that. If you were like me, you procrastinated a lot this past weekend and even before the weekend on Thursday and Friday and just made excuses to watch the Masters as much as possible. Um, just good to see John Rom win. Um, just a great golfer. Love love to see it when when a when a good good golfer and a good person wins. And Brooks Kepka not I'm not a huge Brooks Kepka fan, but I, I did feel a little bit bad to see him fall apart the way he did. You know, that had to just that's that's just gotta hurt your mentals just terribly to have that big of a lead, and to just fall apart so hard. Oh, that, I mean that's gotta hurt. I mean, was I the only one that was like surprised that Phil Mickelson came out of like it seemed like nowhere? Like you didn't really hear about him most of the tournament. It felt like, and then boom at the end, like the last day, and not even the, all of the last day. It was like the last hour. He just seemed to come out of nowhere. Um, you'd love to see it, just an absolute legend of the game, come out and get just finish so high up there and just you know and just great for his legacy honestly i I wish he could have won honestly i wasn't pulling for him to win but like it's one of those things in the end you're like oh man like, I, I wish phil won a another one like i wish he'd got another green jacket like it's just great i i had picked jordan spieth to win because he has ne he had never lost on easter weekend until this weekend and you know for a while it looked like it was a really bad pick and then go Sunday started, and it was like, "Oh man, maybe I did pick him correct pick pick correctly for him to win, but ended up coming up short, but he he also had a just a great tournament, you know nothing to be ashamed of just played real well um I'm ready for next year i I'm already love it when they when when they play at augusta just just an incredible course. I got to go one time last year and it, it, if you ever get the opportunity to visit augusta national." take it even if you don't like golf just to see the course itself it's absolutely beautiful um but yeah well, let's get on to my first topic I just want to kind of hit this kind of for a moment That that is uh UConn winning the men's basketball title in college um we've talked we've talked some about March Madness over the last few weeks and like I've said it's not my forte but I, I i do i do kind of want to talk about this for a little bit cause I've i've had some conversations about this over the last few weeks and I, I i think it's worth talking about but you know we saw uconn over san diego state for the men's basketball title and it just an absolutely dominating performance uh 76 59 and let's be honest the game was never in doubt um san diego state while while they had a good run they had a good tournament they were just outmatched when they got to the title game uh I, we knew within a few minutes of this game starting that it was uconn's ball game we, 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 we just knew that. and, and that's why i want to raise the question like is uconn a blue blood program because like I I, I I believe they are the the difference though between uconn and like the traditional teams that you would think of when when i when you say blue blood is that uconn is less consistent but I don't think that that negates them from being a blue blood. That UConn's either at the top of the mountain, winning national titles, or they're not making the tournament. Um, but but that, to me, that proves that when they do make the tournament, they have a much better chance of winning it than the teams like that you think of in the traditional blue blood sense, like Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky. I mean, UConn has five national titles since nineteen ninety nine none of those other teams have more than three it, 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 if we're if we're gonna talk about a blue blood blast the blue blood basketball program say that three times real fast that is difficult Wow um we, 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 we really have to start putting UConn in that conversation because because when they get in you might as well put put your chips in on them because they, they have a much better chance I mean who would you rather your team be like? A a team that bottoms out for a few years, but when they make the tournament, they're going to win. Or a team that's just consistently good, but never consistently wins titles. Uh, For me, as a casual, casual, casual basketball fan, I would almost rather my team be like UConn than be like Kentucky. Because at least I have something to show for it. I mean, Kentucky, what, do they have one national title in in the 21st century, I believe? I could be wrong. They might have two. but I'm pretty sure it's one. And then they have a lot of really disappointing March Madness tournament appearances. I would rather be like UConn and not make the tournament for a couple years, but then when I make it, there's a lot better chance of me actually winning something. I personally would definitely put UConn in that Blue Blood category. The other thing I really want to talk about today is um, the rumors about Mac Jones up in New England, him being traded. I'm going to kind of refocus back on the football here. Um, But reportedly, Bill Belichick is out on Mac Jones, the legendary Bill Belichick. Um, He's he's out on Mac Jones after Mac Jones sought help from outside the organization during the 2022 season. Um, He sought offensive help. Um, that that's kind of just fractured the relationship between Mac Jones and the Patriots. It's fractured it so much that there's been rumors that the Patriots are shopping him. They're trying they're trying to find they're trying to find a suitor to trade him away. Um, Belichick feels it's a breach of trust, and I, I get that. You you don't want your quarterback looking for outside help outside the building. But when we look at this, this is partially Bill Belichick's fault. I'm to change that. It's mostly Bill Belichick's fault. It appears, just from the outside looking in over the last couple of years, that Bill has decided he's just smarter than everyone and can plug and place any team. I mean, any player, anywhere on the team, any coach, anywhere on the team. But the problem is, without Tom Brady, it hasn't worked. Yes, he was able for almost two decades, to plug and place players and coaches where he wanted and just made it work because he had the greatest quarterback of all time who helped him make it work. But without Tom Brady, Belichick is a 500 or worse coach, and it's just not working out. And this is hurting his reputation with players. Do you blame Mac Jones for seeking outside help on the offensive side when his head coach gives him a defensive coordinator as an offensive coordinator and then no weapons? Mac Jones knows how the NFL works. He knows the drill. If it doesn't work out for him, he, there's not a good history of the NFL in the NFL of first-round quarterbacks getting a second chance. Drew Brees is, like, the only one that got a legitimate second chance. Coaches are going to get a second chance, but the players not. So in Mac Jones' mind, he has to find a way to make this work, to make his first opportunity work, or he's going to be out on the curb. It's it's a self preservation move, and it's one that could have been avoided. It, honestly, in my opinion, if Bill Belichick had just gotten with the times, and changed his coach, coaching personnel to better fit the game, you can't you, you can't put a defensive coordinator as an offensive coordinator in general, but you especially can't do that in the modern era. the The game is getting more offensive. the The rules are made so that it, it's to the benefit of the offensive side of the ball now is not the time to be getting more defensive coaching tactics, like getting more defensive coaches on your staff and, and putting them on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know if there's ever a time ever a time for that, but now is definitely not the time for that. I, I don't blame Mac Jones for making the decision. Uh, do I think that he should have done it? No. I, I, but I get why he did it. I think he should have tried to resolve it in-house, but given what we know about bill be- belichick do, do do we really think and did mac really think that bill would listen to him it, it's a very difficult situation one that could have been avoided if there was more adaption to the times and more willingness to listen and coordinate with each other instead of bill being the dictator in that organization at the end of the day i i, I really don't think mac will be traded this off season. um just because of how abysmal his performance was last year when he played, he missed some games. Bailey Zappi came in, actually looked fairly decent, which hurt uh, Mac Jones, hurt his draft stock even more. Uh, but I think it's also semi Bill Belichick's fault that he can't, that he won't be able to trade Mac Jones because of the offensive personnel that he's put around. Mac he ha- Mac hadn't put up any type of numbers for the team to want to trade. Himself to, to, to trade trade for Mac Jones, um, so Belichick semi shot himself in the foot in that in that sense. Um, he, he tanked any draft stocks that Joan might have had coming out of Alabama. Um, I, I personally think it would be so much smarter for the Patriots organization to instead focus on getting Mac Jones a real offensive coach. Um, it appears they have they got a new offensive coordinator, um, and then they need to get him some more decent weapons in the draft um no no major moves in free agency from the Patriots this year. Um they seem to be heading the right direction getting a new offensive coordinator, but they they need to get him some decent weapons and then just see how this season plays out and then step back and reevaluate Jones after Thanksgiving, I would say, and maybe the end of the end of the season. Reevaluate and if you have to cut your losses at that point, he's still on a rookie contract, you're not losing that much even if you can't trade him for anything. Um it's 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 really it's really sad to see um a great organization like the New England Patriots. I mean, hate them as much as you want. Back in the day, like they were just so dominating, everybody hated them. But it, they were they really were the example of excellence in the NFL for two decades. So it's it's really sad to see an organization like that at such a level where it's not working for them like this anymore. Um, I want to switch back over to the the college college football game, uh, college football topic. Um, you know, the spring practice coming to a close. You know, it's time for the 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 spring scrimmage games. Those are coming along, coming around the country. U, UGAs is this weekend, I believe. Um, but but I saw I saw a story on um Sports Illustrated the other day that I, I found real interesting. And Auburn's coach uh, Hugh Freeze, Coach Hugh Freeze, suggested a new format for the spring game. Um. And, and I just found it really interesting, and I kind of want to talk about that for a minute. And basically, his thing instead of instead of the spring bank the spring game being a glorified team practice with fans in attendance, he wants two in state teams to play each other in a scrimmage game. Use the example of like Auburn, his team, potentially playing something like UAB University of Alabama Birmingham or something like that. I think he said uh, like Alabama could play Troy. Using examples from like his state. Um, and then, like, the proceeds from the game be donated to charity. And he's like, it's just be so much better. We get, like, some better in-game experience for the players. It, it's one of those things. I think this is a good idea in theory. But re- in reality, I, I I think this is such a bad idea. I, I think this skyrockets the potential for injury. I I really do. I mean, we're talking about competitive young men here, competitive young guys. Playing against guys that are not their teammates. I mean, you can dial it back when you know that it's your buddy, your teammate, uh, on the other side of that line. But if you're playing against someone else, that competitive competitive nature gets, gets going, and it's hard to dial it back, even if it's a, just a scrimmage. I mean, we see this all the time in the NFL when they do joint practices between two teams. Fights break out all the time. Now imagine that in a full game setting in front of 50,000 fans. That that's gonna go from a scrimmage to a real game real quick when when somebody accidentally hits somebody even though it's they're supposed to stop it from happening and it's not supposed to hit like something accidental is gonna happen it just takes one hit for somebody to get be like all right let's go and someone gets hurt and it just lays somebody out and and someone's actual season is in jeopardy so re- really makes me. I don't like this idea. Now, this was just a coach pitching idea, so there's like no like actual validity to this. This is not something that I, I don't think they're actually considering. And I don't and I don't want to be the downer on this because I love college football more as more than anyone, as much as anyone. And I want to watch them as much of it as possible, but I just feel like it's playing with fire for us to introduce two teams into the mix of a practice and a scrimmage when it's already such a competitive atmosphere if this actually happens which i like i said i I doubt this will i don't see this becoming a real thing um but if but if it does i'll be really curious to see how it's formatted and how like teams and officials will handle plays that are considered too rough and just like penalties and like what's considered like too hard of a hit like it's uh, just, I, I think that's just not a good idea. It's one of those like I said, it's cool in theory, but it's it's just not not good in reality. Um, last thing I want to talk about for a minute is um th- just the, the, an article I read. CBS, CBS just came out with this report and um it's it's about recruiting spending in college football for the last couple of years and I'm going to start out. If you haven't noticed, um, University of Georgia is on a very dominant stretch of games over the past couple of years, if if you didn't know. Um, and, and it appears, according to the CBS article, that there might be a reason why. Um article shows that Georgia is spending the most money in all of college football on recruiting. They're um, they they, they, they they're spending more money than anyone. And that And that is what college football is 75% of college football in my opinion is the recruiting and the other 25% is coaching you can get the best players in and coach them right you'll you'll win but the main factor is getting the best players in no amount of coaching can make an average team the best team it's just not happening in college football you have to get the best players you have to be getting those four and five star players in and no amount of coaching is going to be able to get that team to that premier level it is 70 so it is 75% recruiting um and UGA, they spent a, a significant amount more than any other team in the SEC. They spent $4.5 million in 2022, um, which is double what they were averaging five years ago. Um, the next highest spender in the SEC was Texas A&M, who, and they only spent only. It's still a large number. They spent $2.9 million, but that's still a significant amount less. Than the University of Georgia is spending, and if this doesn't show teams what they need to do to win, I'm not sure what will. Yeah, you, ha- you have to play to, you have to pay to play, um, in this age of college football, and this this is what it takes. Spending money on recruits is what it takes, and like I was saying earlier in the show, in reference to um, Bill Belichick, like you have to be willing to adapt and change with the times. Or the game will leave you behind. Kirby Smart has built a powerhouse at UGA by putting emphasis on recruiting more than anything else. And every other team should be trying to replicate what UGA is doing and hope that they can get second place at this point. Because UGA is the big dog and will be for the foreseeable future. hate to break it to you, but college football is running through UGA right now. It's not running through Alabama anymore. It's not running through Ohio State. It's not running through Clemson. It's running through Georgia and teams need to see if if, if you see what the best team in the country is doing you need to try to replicate that and so teams need to be willing to spend more money on recruiting and as you're seeing it's paying big dividends for UGA over the last couple of years back back national titles and a chance to contend for another one this year um so I'm going to be curious to see like after this report comes out and teams seeing UGA's sustained success over the last couple of years like where these numbers will be next year, the year after that, like our teams going to be upping their spending t- just for recruiting. Um so it'll be interesting to see how that progresses in the future. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Go follow us on Instagram, follow us on Spotify, go give us a five-star rating on Spotify and we will see you next time.